Thank you again for joining us via podcast at Canvas Church here in Birmingham, Alabama. We pray you are blessed by this message. And for more information, please visit canvasbhm.com. Right. Thank you so, so much, Randall. Thank all of you for being here. Um, thank you, Randy Goebel, for my new stand. Isn't this nice? It moves. and Right? It's high-tech now. So we've gone from a music stand to a, a high-tech podium. Um, I, I want to also just, I, I don't want to pass over just the worship that we just experienced. The Spirit of God was so palpable. Thank you so much, worship team. Andy, thank all of you for, for participating in that. Um, it's good to see Jay Whetstone back. How long are you in town, brother? Two weeks. Okay, so during, during the time you're here, I want him to give an update. He's ministering to refugees and, and uh, from Syria and, and, and Turkey right now. Yeah, and what God's doing. And he uh, and his wife left, I guess, four or five months ago, and, and I can't even remember. And God's doing amazing things. It's so good to see Carly back from Bethel. Yeah, give Carly a round. She's headed. Uh, where, where is it again you're going again? South Korea. She's going to be going to South Korea on a, on a missions trip. I know you might want to find out what that's about. Love on her. And if the Lord leads so into to her and to Jay. So excited. All of you are here. And we will just dive right into it. And I want you to hang because at the end of service, um, have a neat, incredible update on what God is doing. I just do a quick recap from last year. As you remember, we stepped into the new year on January 1st, but actually we're uh, six months, five, six months behind the actual calendar that God goes on, the Hebraic calendar. And we stepped into, on September 29th, we stepped into the Jewish New Year, the next new year. And um, as I told you last week, I just want to give a recap. Hebrew numbers and letters always have a corresponding image. And uh, the, the 5779, that's the year that we were in with uh, the Hebraic New Year, was the year or actually a decade of perceiving and understanding. There are word pictures and there are actually symbols associated in, in Hebrew. And so that, that ayin represents the 70s, and it means to, to see and to know and to experience. But we just stepped into the next one, which is pay. And if you look at pay in the Hebrew and you study it, you can actually see the red is the Hebrew letter, but it's shaped like a mouth. And it is literally means to speak and to declare. And so in God's calendar, the Hebraic calendar, we have stepped into a time of not just perceiving and understanding, but we've stepped into a time of speaking and declaring, as Lisa was referring to earlier. You know, and, and I, she said exactly what we feel, the sentiment we have, that we believe our God is a speaking God. And he is a creating God. And God speaks and he declares things. And one thing I forgot to declare, but I'm so excited, Juanita Bargay is going to be speaking and declaring and teaching uh, shifting atmospheres. And so, Juanita, will you raise your hand if you want to find more about that? So glad I saw her and remembered <laughs> Find her after that, but uh, we, we do believe that God is a speaking God. You know, Jesus says this. He says, most surely I tell you, whosoever, as we said last week, shall say to this mountain, be, be thou removed and believe in his heart and not doubt what he says. Then these, these words are in red in your Bible. It says, but he shall have whatsoever things he says and speaks out. So we're a church that just believes in speaking and declaring. Amen? 
And so that's what we stepped into in God's calendar. Uh, pay, that Hebrew word also, that Hebrew letter also has the connotation of coming out of captivity and being restored in the place that you're supposed to dwell in. I'll let that hit somebody for a second. Coming out and being restored to the place that you're supposed to dwell in. And so we just declare that as well as we line up with God's word and his way that this will be a year, not just a year, but it'll be a decade that some of you finally come out of that captivity. That you come out of that thing that has bound you. That The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily, what, besets us, that gets us off track. I'm here to tell you, you do not have to live subjugated and under the same thing that bound you last year. You just don't. It is for freedom, the word says, that Christ has set us free. The law of the liberty of life, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, sets us free from the law of sin and death. You shall know the truth. And the truth that you know, Paul says, that truth will set you free. You know, Jesus, he walks into the temple, he sees this woman, she's bowed over with this back infirmity to the point where she's just hunched over. She's one of God's children, one of God's daughters. And Jesus looks at her. He says, ought not this woman, ought not this woman whom Satan has bound, he says, think about it, these 18 years, he says, shouldn't she be set free from her infirmity? And then Jesus touches her and then she straightens up. That's just the nature. I believe God hates bound things. Freedom was birthed on the DNA of the inside of every single one of us. It's inscripted across God's DNA on the inside of us. He does not want you bound. He does not want you tormented. Amen. Amen. I could just preach on that, but that's not where I'm going, but that's what I could preach on. I'm telling you, there's liberty in Jesus Christ. We're the spirit of the Lord. Now, the Lord is that spirit, Scripture says, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Hallelujah. I'm going to get excited. Hallelujah. It, <laughs> pay also means breath and, and releasing that. And so we're stepping from that decade. But this morning I want to shift gears. And thank you, Randall, for, for talking about the 21 days we did on uh, September, I mean on September, on January 1st, we stepped into the new year and just the way the, the Lord led me and has led me last year, and I believe maybe this is going to be our pattern going forth, but that uh, the Lord said, I do want you to take seven days, the first seven days, a period of time in the year, and I want you just to focus on adoring me, on just adoration. And did we not experience that and feel that this morning? The presence of God was palpable. Folks, that releases so much more in the heavenlies than you can imagine. When you get into a posture of adoration, adoring God, and we're going to shift that. And so we stepped into that time. And then we'll have seven days, and I'll talk about it just more in a second, of consecration. And then finally, seven days of petition. I want to echo those things one more time. God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? God, what do you want for me? And finally, God, God's a collaborator, right? God, what do you want to do with me? I think that's his favorite thing. He likes to do things with his kids. The Bible says, and it gives us indication in Genesis chapter 3, that God would just come down in the cool of the evening, and he'd stroll with Adam and Eve. He liked to be with his kids. So, Lord, what do you want to do for me? What do you want to do? What do you want from me? What do you want to do for me? And then what do you want to do through me? Seeking God, however, in this idea of adoration, it's not a one-sided activity. He promised this. He says, if you'll draw near to me, 
I'm going to pull near to you. I'm going to lean in to you. If you'll draw near to me. And so I want these 21 days. I said this in the devotional on Facebook. I wanted you to step into maybe this divine waltz with the Godhead. And would you just lean in to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lean your head in to their heart. And find out, did you know they're speaking all the time? Right? Did you know the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they're in constant communion, they're in constant unity. The great thing is, they're talking about you. They're talking about you, they're talking about me. Right? It's our job as seekers to find out, to lean in. You know, he says, I'll be the voice in your ear, saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. My sheep know my voice, and another they will not turn to. Great A.W. Tozer gives us, he says, there are two things that are true about God that are never explained, they just are. The first is that God exists, and the second is that God speaks. They're never defended, by the way, in Scripture. God never defends his right to be. He just is. The second thing is he speaks. Our job is to have this lifelong communication to hear what he's saying. You know what he's saying over some of you this morning? I'm so proud of you. I value you so much. You're the apple of my eye. You're an incredible gift. I did really good when I created you. I really, really did well. I'm pleased with you. I rejoice over you with singing. I honor you because you're worthy to be honored. I care about the things that are precious to you. I have big plans. <laughs> I have big dreams. I have big hopes. God has big hopes. He's got the highest hopes. <laughs> world would tell you don't get your hopes up. God would say get your hopes up. Lift up the sails of your hopes this morning. Whew. Thank you, Lord. Lean in and hear what they're saying. So how did I come up with this idea of adoration and consecration and petition? Last year, I was doing my daily Bible reading. I came across Second Chronicles, and I came to this story of Jehoshaphat. And it's an incredible model, if you look at this, of these three things of adoration, consecration, and petition. But in Jehoshaphat's case, it just so happened to happen in a crisis. All right? God speaks to him and reveals three things that just jumped off the page. I want us to look at that real quick. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 3 from the NIV. NIV. All right, and it says, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Minyanites, or children of Mount Seir, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the people came and they told Jehoshaphat, said, a vast army is coming down against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon, Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Verse 3, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved, number one, to inquire of the Lord. Number two, he proclaimed a fast. And number three, verse four, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now, I want to give you a little contextual framework. Jehoshaphat, he wakes up. It's just another day in the life of the king. Who knows what he's going to do? Maybe go play golf. <laughs> Who knows what the king is going to do? But he's going to do what kings do. And suddenly Jehoshaphat gets this incredible, ominous warning. 
man, there is a great multitude that is coming against you, king. They're coming to take everything you have. Now, to put this in contextualization, if you go back and study 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and 18 and 19, Jehoshaphat numbers his army. And his army alone, not including women and children, his army alone is 1,070,000 soldiers that he has access to. But the Bible says a great multitude is coming. So in my mind, I kind of think about, well, gosh, what's a million people look like? Let's look at the population maybe of greater Birmingham, all right? And now imagine the population of, say, Atlanta and who knows, maybe Chicago coming down against Jehoshaphat. Now, I don't know about you. I get that kind of news. I want to hit the snooze button and turn over, right? I want to take a Xanax maybe, <laughs> whatever it is, but Jehoshaphat is given this imminent warning. We are in trouble. All right. There's incredible principles. So what do we see this King do? I didn't, didn't give you this scripture, but the Bible says, and Jehoshaphat feared. I'm glad the Lord allows us to see that the man got scared. Anybody ever got scared other than me? Anybody ever get panicked by situations? Uh, can, can we be real, right? Too much month at the end of your money or suddenly an engine goes out in a car, whatever the it might be. And, and immediately we men, if you're like me, we're going to fix it mode. How are we going to do this? We're going to, we're going to make, we got, got to make it happen now because everybody's looking at you, right? The Bible says that he feared, but in verse three, it says he resolved to inquire of the Lord. I shared this little snippet of this, but the Hebrew word there to inquire is the Hebrew word dorosh, okay? Dorosh. And here's what it means. It means to pursue, to go after the Lord, to seek him out. One, one definition says to pursue the Lord in worship. Wow, what a response. Very first thing you do, instead of wringing the hands, instead of fighting and getting in stress, now I'm going to go pursue the Lord in worship right now. I'm going to pursue him in worship. It's here we see this principle of adoration come up. Worship immediately, immediately recenters me. It gets my eyes off the horizontal. It lifts my head up and my spirit up. The psalmist knew how to do this. How many times was David encroached by his enemies all throughout Psalms? And then we get that amazing Psalm where David says, this is going on down to here. I will look unto the hills whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. But it recenters us and it gets us on focus. I found some other scriptures where this Hebrew word darash is. Psalm 9 verse 10, one of my favorite. And they that know thy name shall put their trust in thee. For thou, O Lord, will not forsake those who darash you who seek me, they who know my name. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-six: the meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that darash him, that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Psalm 24, 6, this is the generation that darash the Lord. Oh, that darash his face. This is the generation. Oh, that we would be the generation. Oh, that we would be the church that pursues the Lord in worship. I could have gone on this morning. I know some of you get tired. The worship team just has my blessing to, 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 to go past 28 minutes and four seconds. Amen. Sorry. If you don't like that, maybe you ought to come in at 11. But anyway, we love you. We bless you. Actually, I'm serious. I'm not really apologizing. I'm kind of serious. But 
We want to cultivate an atmosphere when encounter is possible. And we, we, we can shift when God says shift, but I just want you to know that's the kind of church we are. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, I deroshed the Lord, and he heard me and he delivered me from how many of my fears? All my fears. All my fears. Psalm 34, 10. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek, that pursue, that derosh the Lord, they shall not want any good thing. Anybody want to go want free, good things, not wanting any good things? They just happen. In 2020, they that seek the Lord, the young lions, they'll lack. But they that seek the Lord, that derosh the Lord, they're not going to want for any good thing. The second initiative that Jehoshaphat takes, he calls a fast in verse 3. It says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast. I see this, this, he's switching from adoration then, and he moves into a place of consecration because fasting, right, it takes us into a posture and a position that I'm going to deny something to hear something, right? Or maybe deny something to get in a better posture to receive something from God. You know, you know what I thought was really interesting? Did you know that all three on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, all did 40-day fast? I think that's just interesting. Just a sidebar. Think about the walk that, the, that those men had. Jesus, obviously, but Moses and Elijah. But they all spent 40 days sometime in their walk. And maybe it was the only time it was recorded in Scripture. Maybe there were more. What does fasting do? Matthew 4, 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God led him into the wilderness, a place of isolation where he would be tested by the devil. Fasting says, from this point on, from right now, I refuse to draw my strength from a natural source. I focus my spirit, my soul, and my body to hear from you alone. Why? Because fasting, something about it, and Jesus talked about it, increases the anointing and the presence of God on your life. It increases the power of God on your life. How do I know that? Jesus said in Mark 9, 29, he says, this kind, the disciples were having trouble with the devil. Anybody had trouble with the devil? Having trouble with this particular devil. <laughs> and they're like, they're baffled. They come to Jesus. What are we going to do? He says, this kind comes not out, but by prayer and by fasting. Or you're saying that there's some mountains, there's some, there's some demonic attacks that will not be moved just by prayer alone. I'm not saying that Jesus did right? So you may have to up your seeking game. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to take prayer coupled with fasting. <clears throat> after pursuing the Lord in worship, after fasting and consecration, I love this. Verse 4, he calls all of the cities of Judah together. Let's read Second Chronicles 20 verse 4. He says, the people, the Bible says, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. In other words, it's not just adoration at times, and it's not just fasting. Sometimes you're going to need the prayer of agreement. You're going to need somebody stepping into the fray with you, stepping into the battle with you, because there's sometimes that the power of agreement is going to push this thing through. My question is, in your foxhole, in, 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 in your life, do you have people 
that you can come into agreement prayer with. Right? Right? Because where there is agreement, where there's, there's power in that. There's power in that. Let me tell you what's so powerful. This, this past Wednesday night, 12, I guess 12, maybe 13 people on that fourth floor, y'all, we began to just move into a place of intercession where the Spirit of the Lord was so heavy, we're just on our faces. We're just crying out to God. There's power. Listen, the enemy will try to get you to do everything but pray. Right? Anybody ever been like John Potter? The second you go down to pray, old needs changing. You got to get JoJo. That's my little shiz. You got to get JoJo food today. Right? I, I mean, you go into prayer and suddenly you can think crystal clear about everything but prayer. Isn't it amazing? It's astounding. It's like the enemy just, he starts streaming, right? Or life just, I don't know, whatever it is, the resistance begins just to stream everything. Could be good things, right? Has anybody other than me ever had trouble praying? Thank you. Come on, be real. I mean, like your flesh does not want to do this. It doesn't want to go there, right? The Bible talks, Paul says that the spirit and the flesh are at war with one another. Did you know that you, your, your flesh hates your spirit? In me there dwells no good thing except for God. And, pardon me, I will always, always, especially during the fast, we had some friends send us this big glass jar of caramels. Like I need 300 caramels in front of me right now. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's like suddenly it's like, can I resist? I'm just serious. But like your flesh wars against your spirit. It doesn't want to do that. Back to agreement prayer. All right. This is the place of petition, but it's not just petition, but it is agreement prayer. Listen, Leviticus 26, eight. What about agreement? Five could chase a hundred and a hundred could put 10,000 to flight. Deuteronomy 32.30, the word says one will put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Second Chronicles 7.14, we all know this one. If my people, plural, which are called by my name, right? Everybody waits on the preacher to pray. Everybody waits on the prayer team to pray. Listen, God's waiting on us to pray. He's waiting on the collective to pray. Oh, man, I'd love for that, that room on Wednesday night just to be packed with all of y'all, and let's just see what God does. Matthew 18, 19, everybody knows this one. Jesus says, again, I tell you. In other words, he'd been talking to them about this, but this is where he says, again, I'm telling you. Jesus tells you something twice. You think you might want to dial in? <laughs> hey, John, I told you this once, but listen, son. Again, I tell you, if any two of you shall agree concerning what? Anything. Huh, Anything. Any two of you shall agree on earth concerning anything that they ask. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but I have, I've been disappointed with God. And maybe that's why I don't agree with people enough. Anybody ever been seemingly disappointed? Oh gosh, all of y'all are spiritual. Y'all have never been disappointed with the Lord. Y'all, anybody want to come up and preach? No. He says, but if you will agree, the Greek word there is symphoneo. It's where we get the word symphony. Imagine, if you will, Holy Spirit is this grand conductor. And suddenly, the woodwinds and the brass begin to play. 
He says, that's the kind of prayer that I want. Prayer orchestrated by me, but done by you in agreement. And suddenly a movement happens. Or maybe it's a dance. <laughs> maybe it's a choreography. But when it's done well and it's done right and it's done in unison and harmony, it is a beautiful thing. God says, I can orchestrate a symphony. He says, if you get in that kind of prayer, he says, I will do, my father will do it in heaven as on earth. With all the content, that is your context. I want to glance at the rest of this story and show you how adoration and praise literally destroy the enemy. All right? Second Chronicles, drop down to verse 22, 21 and 22. I wish I had time to unpack this whole thing. Another Sunday, maybe. Jehoshaphat instructs Israel to begin to praise God in the presence of my enemies. And when they do, check this out. God releases holy havoc. <laughs> when you begin to worship him in the presence of your enemies, God's like, now watch this. Watch this. Look at verse 21. And when he had consulted Jehoshaphat with the people, he appointed those that should sing to the Lord, who should praise the Lord of the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Let's get a visual of this. The Ammonites, the Moabites, the children of Mount Seir, they've got their spear, they've got their shield, maybe some have their sword, and they're ready for war, all right? And then they send out a choir. Praise the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's all they sang. Praise the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Lord, we worship you in the beauty of holiness. Lord, you're so beautiful. <laughs> Keith Green used to sing, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. For when your eyes are on this child, somebody finish it. Grace abounds in me. When you get into that posture, it's got to baffle the enemy. It's like, what? <laughs> Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds in me. The enemy doesn't know what to do with that. I mean, they got the war paint on. They got the war cry. And it's like David and Goliath. David was a microcosm of what God's been doing and what God had done and what God expects going forward. Right? Right? David goes out, Goliath, and what, what does God do? God sends a worshiper. About this tall, red hair, cute. That's how God described him. He was ruddy appearance. But he comes out against his enemies with a worshiper. Now watch what happens. All right? Now when they begin to sing, verse 22... The Lord sets ambushments against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah. What, what, watch what happens. Verse 23, for the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when he had made an end of the inhabitants of Mount Seir, then they began to turn on one another and they began to destroy one another. What's happening here? Exodus 23, 27. I will send my fear before you. 
and I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come, and I will make all their enemies turn their back to you. Let me tell you something. When you step into this praise, place of praise and of worship, the Bible says that God just begins to release confusion in the enemy's camp. It makes no sense. You're not doing warfare in his realm. There is no sunset art of war tactic that is going to come against God's people because you've just stepped into the heavenly realm. See, Jehoshaphat could have gone in the natural war room, but he went into the spiritual war room. Do you understand? When you step into that place of spiritual warfare, then you don't fight from a place of lateral. You don't fight down here. You begin to fight from a place up here. Do you understand? We're seated with him in heavenly places, and so God just instructs Jehoshaphat to do warfare like God has always done warfare. And when you get into that place, hallelujah, God's releasing confusion into the camp of the enemy. He's causing derision and mutual confusion, and they just, they, they want to fight somebody. See, the, oh, this is powerful. Just coming to me. The devil's going to fight somebody somehow, some way. Why not let the devil fight himself? Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. Guess what? The children of Moab, the children of Mount Seir, they could not stand that day. Oh, that's powerful. That's good stuff. <laughs> you might remember back in July when I shared a passage with you that I'd never seen. Listen, it's about the cumulative effect of worship. Isaiah chapter 30, 29 through 32. Watch this now. And you will sing as on the night you celebrate a holy festival. Your hearts will rejoice as when people playing pipes go up to the mountain of the Lord, the rock of Israel. The Lord will cause his people to hear his majestic voice. This is a beautiful passage so far. But then watch what happens next. And will make them see his arm coming down with raging anger and consuming fire with cloudburst, thunderstorm, and hail. Look at verse 32. Every stroke of the Lord that he lays on them with his punishing club will be to the music of timbrels and harps. <laughs> he fights them in a battle with the blows of his arm. God's word translation, Isaiah 30, 32, says this. To the sound of tambourines and lyres, the Lord will pound on them. He will fight them in battle, swinging his fist. What? And so you're telling me, as I begin to dance like I do, and as I begin to sing, and as we begin to do the flags, and we begin to wave the tambourines, and we're really doing it as an act of worship under God, God says, now watch me come down and pound the enemy with my fist. Are you understanding the power, the reservoir that's on the inside of you and on the inside of me? When we begin to worship God, God says, now watch this. Leave my kids alone. He's that big brother that comes down when you're bullied on the sandlot. Anybody ever been there? I remember when I was in sixth grade and some eighth graders beat me up and I had a brother in ninth grade and I went home and big Jay Potter came back down to the sandlot and he took care of those boys who were bullying his little brother. Listen, when you begin to pray, him and you begin to worship him God says I'm going to take a club out and those enemies that have come against you they're going to come against you one way but they're going to flee seven ways because God has stood up and said leave my child and my kids alone enough is enough is enough is enough is enough hallelujah worship him 
Come on, just worship him for a second. Lord, we worship you right now. Hallelujah, Father, we worship you in the middle of diagnoses, and in the middle of prognoses, in the middle of disease, Father, in the middle of bills, in the middle of lack, in the middle of whatever it might be that's coming against us, Father, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of fear, oh God. We worship you, oh Lord. Would you come against our enemies with your heavy, strong arm? Would you rain down thunder and fire? Would you rain down them with your club, oh God? Would you beat the enemy? Hallelujah. It shifts the atmosphere. It shifts the atmosphere. Territorial spirits, Jay Whetstone, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, local stuff, all of us have stuff. And God does what God just does. He says, I need some singers. I need some worshipers. I need some people who know how to shake a tambourine. Oh, hallelujah, folks. We, what we do, we do with reason. We do with purpose. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship is a holy ignoring of your enemy. When he loses your attention, he loses ammunition. When he loses your attention. I'm sorry. We will no longer be having this conversation, devil. I'm putting you on notice. Anybody ever had an annoying child annoy you? Right? Anybody ever just started ignoring? Can I tell you all something? Being very personal and very vulnerable. It's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's kind of not, but it is kind of funny. When I was about three years old, four years old, I learned at the little kindergarten my mother sent me to, I learned a very bad word. It's two words, GD. All right? And so my mother had no idea what to do with this preacher's kid because I would say it at church in the church nursery. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, any time. And I'd say it in the car, and my, they would beat me and spank me. Did not do a thing. Didn't touch me. So my mother was getting her bachelor's degree at that time, and she went to her psychology professor. He said, Peggy, the negative reinforcement is, is not working. He said, because he's at least getting attention. God's truth. She started ignoring me, and she said, finally, I looked at her, at her and I'd say, Mom, I'm thinking about that word. That's wonderful, Jonathan. Jonathan, would you like a glass of milk? Jonathan, did. she began to ignore me, and the behavior ceased and desist. Now, how big are you in God? How big is God in you? Great Smith Wigglesworth said you're a thousand times bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. And when that little annoying imp starts nipping at you. I'm sorry, you're not worthy of my time. Fear, you're not worthy of my attention. It all goes back to identity. Knowing who you are and whose you are. When the devil looks at you, Brenda, he's not looking at you. When you know who you are, he looks at you and he starts looking this way. 
because the you is now rising. And it goes past the first heaven. It goes past the second heaven. And it goes into the third heaven at the right hand of God where Jesus, the Messiah, sat. When he looks at you, he has to put his gaze up here because the real you who knows the real you is seated with him in heavenly places, far above all rule and power and dominion. That's where you're seated this morning. Hallelujah. So what happens? I'm going to land the plane. Psalm 23 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He didn't say you're not going to have enemies. He just says it's time to pull out the buffet. Right? That's what he says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I asked Lisa this morning, I was just finalizing my notes. I'm sitting there and said, what does that look like in Scripture? I said, show me, Lisa, a place. And she's got, she's straightening her hair. And she's like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, you're supposed to know this right now. Sitting over there in the easy chair. And I just begin to think. And the Lord brings back a story out of 2 Kings chapter 7. And if you remember, in that chapter, the Syrians had surrounded Israel completely. They had starved them out. They cut off all the logistics, all the supply lines. They were actually, Israel had resorted to cannibalism. Some of it. They were eating everything. The Bible talks about there was like four horses left inside the city. You know, I had a bad day. It's a bad day, right? It's a real bad day. So you got these four lepers, and if everybody's starving, guess who's starving more than anybody? The people outside, the lepers, right? They're sitting outside the gate. They got nothing, not a zilch, all right? And so these four lepers, they get this, pardon me, they get this conversation among themselves, and they say, well, if we stay here, we're surely going to die. If we go out to the Syrians, we know we're going to die. And then they said, maybe God will have compassion on us if we start making a move. Now watch what happens. 2 Kings 7, 8. And when the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and they eat, they did eat and they drink and they carried silver and gold and raiment. They went and hid it. They came into another camp. They went and hid it and they carried it away and they went and hid it. I should have put this verse because this is a cool verse. Because as the four lepers start moving, the Bible says that God made the sound of their feet like thunderous hooves of a great army of horses and chariots. Go back and read. It's a powerful passage. So they just start walking. They're hoping to get a handout. And God's like, no, I'm going to give you a hand up. Do you understand what I'm saying? They start moving and God causes a supernatural amplification of sound. The principle being in the presence of their enemies, their enemies weren't even there, but the table was spread. Same thing happens here with Jehoshaphat. And I am coming. The enemy loses ammunition. Oh, let me get to it. <laughs> Go to 2 Chronicles 20, 24 through 30, Amplified. All right, this is, this is after they begin to praise. And after the Ammonites, the children of Ammon, Mount Seir, they all turned on one another. When the men of Judah came to look to the lookout tower of the wilderness, they looked towards the multitude. Say millions. 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 Okay. 
they looked towards the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground, and no one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including equipment, garments, valuable things which they took for themselves, more than they could carry away, all right, so much so they spent three days gathering the spoil. Now understand this, the men, there's over a million seventy seventy thousand soldiers. I want you to get the gravity of how big this spoil was. It takes one million seventy thousand soldiers three days to carry away the abundance and the spoil. Are you kidding me? And some people think that God doesn't want abundance. Why does God do stuff like that? <laughs> I mean, why does God let that happen? Why does God make 12 baskets left over, right? Why does God do that? Listen, it is a principle that I can not only give you a table in the presence of your enemies. I can give you a table and a suit and a new earring and some blessings. Listen, I can give you enough so much. So, boys, we're going to need another wagon. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> we're going to need a bigger thing. Bring it out. They just kept bringing it for three days. They're carrying back spoil. Why? Because it started out in this place of Darash. Lord, I seek you right now. In the middle of my seeking, I'm going to call a fast. And then we're going to get into agreement prayer. And if you follow this story, there's a very systematic unfolding of how God moves on behalf of his children. Go back and study it. If you want a map and a model on how spiritual warfare really needs to look, look, look like, go back and study Second Chronicles chapter 20. But it doesn't stop there. All right. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. <clears throat> Verse 26. Then on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barak. For it was there that they blessed the Lord for the reason. Check this out. They named that place the Valley of Blessing until today. Then they returned, verse 27, Jerusalem with joy. I can imagine why every man of Judah and Jerusalem led by Jehoshaphat, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem. Watch this. Woo! They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets in the house and the temple of the Lord. And then the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel so that the kingdom was quiet and God gave him rest on all sides. Remember, he says, to the sound of lyres and trumpets and harps, he says, I'm going to release my blows against the enemy. Y'all, that's a picture. This literally happened. This is really, really what happened. And they came back. They started out with worship, and they came back with worship. <laughs> they came back with praise. And not only that, the enemy took notice. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, and they got peace from that point on. <laughs> it was like, I don't think any other country like, nah, it didn't work out so good for the Moabites. <laughs> <laughs> did not work out so well for the children of Mount Seir. What if God could put such a devastating blow against the enemy in your life that he remembers the last time he tangled with you? Glory to God. The last time he messed with you. Mm, I don't think we want to go mess with Jeff today. I don't think we want to mess with Mimi today or Chad today or Nicole today or Mike. Listen, why? Because they've understood a principle that when I arise, man, when God gets angry, get out of the way. Zephaniah says, the Lord will blow the shofar. The Lord is a man of war. 
Mm, he's love and he's peace and he's goodness and all those things. But listen, he is a terror to his enemies. He is a terror to your enemies. Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Right now, right now, just close your eyes. Right now, right now, we just release worship upon you right now. I release a realization that this message isn't just some guy running his mouth who's charismatic. No, 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 no. I release the truth of this word upon you right now in Jesus' name. That Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Hallelujah. He has not disappointed anyone. They that know thy name shall put their trust in thee, for thou, O Lord, will not forsake those who derosh you. Right now in Jesus' name, I don't know what you brought in. I don't know what that foreclosure notice looks like. I don't know what that repossession thing might have come your way. I don't know what that tax lien looks like. I don't know what that prognosis looks like. I'm telling you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I release the knowledge that Jesus is great. God is great and greatly to be praised. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember of the name of the Lord our God. For we know that God saves his anointed. He shall hear from his holy heaven by the saving strength of his right arm that's who we trust in we trust him for there is no name higher he said Abraham I'm going to reward you with myself because there's no one else I could reward you with in Jesus name how it grow not weary in well doing right now right now right now somebody is so so tattered and so stretched right now in Jesus name he says grow not weary in well doing eyes closed raise your hand if you if you're grown weary right now raise your hand right now grow not weary in well doing for inducing season in due season you shall reap if you faint not don't you quit don't you give up don't you dare stop in Jesus name this is a day of breakthrough this is a day of miracles this is a day that they that wait upon the Lord like this painting says shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not be faint in Jesus name to the faint he gives power I release power to you in Jesus name by the spoken word I decree it over your life I decree it over your soul I decree it over your business I decree it over this decade Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong. Only be strong, Joshua. The thing he's put in front of you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He says, you're well able to take this land before you. You're well able to possess what God has said is yours. You're well able to take this land in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Eyes closed here just for a minute. Nothing more important than this right here. Close your eyes, please. Mike, if you'll just let some music play. Nothing more important right now. If there's someone under the sound of my voice. And maybe you're still figuring out this God thing. Maybe you don't connect with everything that I've resonated. Or I said, maybe everything hasn't resonated with you. But if you don't know Jesus this morning, eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand right now? If it's been a long time, maybe you feel far away from him. Would you raise your hand? Wow. Wow. Anybody else? Anybody else? Wow. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Will we see those two hands? Anybody else? Right now, in Jesus' name, I still closed. You're the reason this service happened, you two folks who raised your hand. God has an appointment with you. 
God loves you. He forgives you. He's the God of a thousand second chances. He is the God of a thousand second chances. I want you just to say this prayer with me right now. Nobody's looking. Nobody is looking. I want you to say, Jesus. Come on, folks, let's help them. Say, Jesus. Would you meet me where I am? Would you wash me clean? I choose to trust in you. I believe you said, confess my sins and you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Right now, I believe that. And it is true. Now, you two folks, please, after this service, you can do it as you feel it. Find somebody and say, would you please continue to agree with me? I'm tired of stumbling. I'm tired of busting, busting my spiritual knee. I want to walk this thing out. This is a place of hope. We are a people of promise. We're a church that loves people well, that sees who they are, awakens their dreams, and wants to empower you to impact your world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. After service, if you'd like prayer, we're going to shift a little bit different direction. If you'd like prayer, I want you to, uh, you can go over to the other room. We've got prayer over there. <coughs> Pardon me.